Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish with you. And good to be with you here as it's uh, midweek time. And always a good time to catch up on baseball prospectus. And really one of the smartest guys in this industry always puts together really good columns is Mike Gianella from BaseballProspectus.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Gianella. Very easy to do. I was sad to see him leave the league that I was in last year. I enjoyed playing against Mike, but good to see him every year like I do when we have our draft. And we're going to get into some of the columns that he wrote recently. It was really interesting. Mike Gianella joins us. Mike, good afternoon. Thank you for taking some time to join me on the show today. How are you? I'm good, and you you are way too kind, Craig, although I, I do miss being in the league with you. That is that is a true statement. That is. Well, listen, I was I was a non-competitive guy, so easy to beat on. That was, that was for sure. Um, okay, so, Mike, you wrote two columns that I wanted to ask you about. Both, I thought, were kind of off the beaten path, which is really what we need more of this time of the year in fantasy. And th- there just kind of seems to be a lot of... You know, people percolating different ideas as to what's happening with fantasy baseball. Where are we headed? Are we headed for uh, more people playing, less people playing? But the first column that you ended up writing was one on basically saying that we shouldn't be calling ourselves fantasy experts or fantasy analysts, more or less. Uh, but or even an industry, I think was the word, but instead of calling it a fantasy community. And, you know, I took to that almost immediately. And now when I talk about it on the show, I use the word community more because I think you're 100 percent right. Who is really judging <laughs> this competition between all of us? And I'm wondering why you decided to write that column and kind of where it came from. Well, you know, it's funny that you you and a lot of people wasn't just you kind of grabbed on that because it was really more of a a wide ranging column. It wasn't so much, that isn't where I started, but that's where I ended. But it does strike me. Like it, it strikes me that we're, we're often acting like we're in competition, not just in these leagues, but you know, across different platforms. Like I write for baseball perspectives, you know, you, you work here, you know, Jeff Zimmerman or, or Jeff Erickson works over there, but really in terms of the ideas and not so much the leagues, we are all in the same place and, and we're all trying to, you know, improve our product, make things better for our readers. And, you know, I think to the point you just made, Craig, grow the game. Like we, we want more people to play. Like we want to get more and more people involved. And a lot of ways that's happened, like with, you know, TGFBI, I'm not sure if you're in that league. of I leagues. am. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. that's, yeah. Yeah. That's, ex- that's expanded this year. There's over 300 people and that's great. But sometimes I, I feel, you know, one of the biggest differences between fantasy football and fantasy baseball, fantasy baseball, well, I'll start fantasy football. It feels like that's just like, come on in, come play. It's fun. You know, just put a team together. Fantasy baseball, and I've been guilty of this as much as anyone else, there's sort of a, a snobbery, a like, well, you know, this is really difficult, this is really hard, and we really should try to avoid that. Like, there, there's a lot of gatekeeping, for lack of a better way of putting it. Like I said, I'm, I'm not pointing at others, I'm pointing at myself, and I, I think we should move away from that. 
Okay. So, so, so how would we, and, and I'm literally just asking for advice as a host. So how would we do that? Would it be by, by making the idea of, Hey, look, play in a head to head league against your friends. It's the same way as you play football. You set your lineup at the beginning of the week on a Monday. At the end of the week, you have a record, you know, five categories. You win seven to three. This person wins seven to three. Is it is it telling people to play the roto game, which, let's be honest, Mike, is more difficult than it is a grind to play the whole season. So if you had to kind of take your own advice, what would you deliver? What I probably would start with is I'd start with saying do what's comfortable for you. I, I, I know what you're saying about Roto, and, and it is a grind. And honestly, you know, I'm, I'm older. I, I started out playing AL, NL only, like deep leagues, where you have to know every single player. Probably the simplest advice I'd give is start out in a shallower league. Like, like regardless of whether it's Roto or head-to-head, start out playing in a, in a 10 or 12-team league. Like, don't, don't get too bogged down in, in who the players are. Um, play with weekly moves as opposed to daily moves. One one thing about daily moves that can be discouraging is if you're you're like me and you have a job and you have kids and you don't have time to like you know sit there every day and look at lineup. It, it can really throw you off. Like that's the thing about football. Football for the most part it's it's a weekly game. Yeah, there's a Thursday game and there's a Monday game, but it, it's really just the effort that kind of takes place in one shot as opposed to you know across the board. So. Yeah, that th- those would be my biggest piece of advice. Not so much format, but rather like how we, you know, how we play the game and looking at deep leagues aren't necessarily the best. Mike Gianella is with us from Baseball Perspective, and you know, from from my perspective, Mike, the way that I see it, at least as you mentioned, from the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, and that's a really good point, and also from the NFBC and numbers that you know, Tom Kessenick and Greg Ambrosius gave me when this sort of stuff was percolating that maybe fantasy baseball is dying or needs to change, they provided numbers that showed that more people are playing in leagues this year than ever before. So is it a fallacy? Is it true? Like, do you, do you, could you kind of gauge that from people who click you and subscribe to you that less are doing it every year? Because I feel that regardless as to how many overall people are playing, there's always a core audience for this game. Yeah, I, I think what's happening, and, and you know, I, I believe you're referencing uh, Ray Flowers' column. You know, and I, I like Ray, you know, from, from SiriusXM and, and elsewhere. You know, he's a good guy. You know, he's, he's great in the industry. But his column was kind of talking about fantasy baseball's dying. What, what I think is happening, and I just alluded to this in the last answer, it's changing. Like, fewer people are playing in these deep leagues. More people want to play for fun. You know, DFS, is, if you include that as, as part of the pie, I mean, goodness you know dfs has really picked up and i have to say you know as someone who started out as a seasonal player you know i i play in the tout wars weekly dfs and you know, i'm not just saying this because it just happened I, I won last night or i won the week that's fun like it, it's fun to just pick a bunch of players you know watch your lineup and kind of forget about it so the game is growing i i think it's just changing a little bit you know another thing nfbc did which was a great idea was a the second chance league you know the idea that you had you draft on memorial day you get another shot. Uh, you know, Ron Chandler had tried this, and I think he was a little bit ahead of his time. He tried those monthly leagues where you, know, you compete for a month and then you, you have another draft in another month. That's, that's a big part of it, where the game is growing. The, the six-month, you know, build a team, play a whole season, 
that's people are moving away from that a little bit. They're moving away from the old roto style. Although I will say, you know, as I, as I say that baseball perspective, one of our biggest contingents of fans is dynasty. And, you know, dynasty is anything but a short commitment. As you know, that's, yeah, that's right. pretty much like a, a 10, 15 year commitment to your team at least. Yeah. And, and, and look, I, you know, obviously I worked for Sirius XM for 10 years, Mike, and, and I can tell you that uh, in 2018, the last year that I was there, I mean, I did a two-hour fantasy baseball show every single day and was told by my superiors that my show was the most listened-to show on the Sirius XM app from January all the way through uh, July. So, I mean, that told me that there was still an appetite for this, and so that's why I'm pounding the drum on continuing it and talking baseball during the baseball season, which is, I guess, a story for another day. So, moving on to your column, your second column, which is even more of an interesting column, is the idea of having to play for money to raise stakes to get people to play more in fantasy. Now, here's where you and I may disagree with a little bit, Mike, because I do feel like money does force you to be more motivated to play harder to play uh and to be more into it i have a home league where the fees are in the hundreds and the way that i kind of keep it creative in this nl only league mike is i have a first place winner a second place winner a third place winner a fourth place winner to try and engage the crowd throughout the year but let's kind of dive into that column that you wrote and and talk about why you did that one well, to, to, I, I do actually agree with you. I've, I've been in a few money leagues that are similar. The one I'm in now that's been around forever is an ale only. It's, you know, top four places get money. I, I, it probably isn't quite as high stakes as yours, but, you know, the winner gets like, you know, $1,000, like somewhere in that range. So, you know, it's not nothing, and, and people do play for that money. I, what I was re- addressing specifically where money is concerned Money keeps people interested, and it keeps some people interested. Now, there's some people who play for free, and you know they're really passionate about it. What I was addressing specifically, I don't think money necessarily makes you a better player. Mm-hmm. I, like, there's some people who will play for money, and have played for years and years. And I, I brought out the example in my column, and you know, I'm, I'm, I wasn't trying to pick on this guy, but he's been in the league for over 20 years, and he's had one of those like money finishes once. Like, it, the money hasn't really been an incentive for him. What I find the money does do for some people, though, we've had people play for four or five years, they haven't won, they haven't even finished in one of those money slots, and they've kind of left because our league was competitive enough where they're like, well, I, this isn't for me, I'd rather go play in a free Yahoo league or, or somewhere like that, which, which is fine. I mean, that's, you know, the money leagues aren't for everybody. So I do agree with your point. What I think I was pushing back against, I was pushing back against the idea, maybe this was your second question, that expert leagues aren't necessarily worse just because they're not money leagues. Yeah, and, and, I, and I understand that. I've played in these leagues as well, but I've noticed through the years, Mike, is that people do, even in the experts leagues, tend to fall off, and that definitely reduces the amount of competitiveness in the leagues. If you're not setting a lineup and if you're not making moves, you could end up changing the outcome in a 12- or 15-team league, and that's the last thing that you want to have done is is kind of you know poking the bear and saying hey you may want to put your you know team active and then collusion comes up and all that it doesn't take away from the leagues but I just hate that Mike I guess that's the point I hate when just people quit I do agree with you and and I feel like tout, tout wars you know it has some mechanisms with the fab penalty uh, and the reserve draft picks the next year. Uh, but I do agree with you. I, I do feel like it's it's less of a problem than it used to be. It used to be you'd watch these leagues and half the league would quit. Now I feel like it's just a couple people. 
some of the problem is what you alluded to before. Uh, it's just kind of the idea of. I uh, have to excuse me. I'm actually outside of this helicopter. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, we we got about thirty seconds left anyway, Mike. So uh, go ahead. You okay, can go ahead well, and finish. Well, you know, it's, so it's just that it's just that whole idea where there's a few people who kind of veer off in the coverage of football, and I feel like they're the ones who drop off. But there a lot of people in Tout Wars just because you know it, it cycles in, it cycles out. You've got people from Baseball HQ and other baseball oriented sites like Baseball Perspective. Right. It's still competitive. Yep. Hey, Mike, thanks as always for being on. Thanks for all the support always that you give as well. Appreciate it, okay? Yeah, I'm going to have to have you on our podcast at some point. We'll do it.